when they, when when they believe that I believe what I'm saying, then you know they're re- they're ready to go through fire, you know, you know, for your coach, your commander, your chief, whoever your sensei, you know, we, we will we will run through fire for them. Um, in your experience, what qualities or lack thereof prevent someone from being successful in martial arts? through a UFC uh, locker room in the background what we don't get to see. All right, let me see where we are at today. Let me put this right here. Give me a second. Laptop down. Don't do that. Look, I, I, I'm just asking. I took care of the TV, so I know that's good. What 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 else? What else? What else you got to? Uh, what else you got to take care of? Give me a second. I'm still trying to get everything together. I think I'm together today. You, you, I, I did. I, you know, you did. You did 10 percent today. Congratulations. I did, I did 78 <laughs> percent. Got your got your little works out in your paycheck. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. About time you earn your paycheck. What's up, man? Hey, Saturday, man. Saturday morning. Yeah. Well, what? Saturday afternoon. Oh, afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday yeah. afternoon. Welcome to Unpopular Celebrities, everybody. Yeah. Uh, we right back in here again. Let me hit this button right here. There we go. Uh, right back in here again for another day. Yeah. Uh, try to try to help them out again and, and do this on Saturday. You know, because you know, big football tomorrow and stuff. I know you. Big football, football today, man. College football yeah, today. No, I, I'm talking about NFL. That's what I'm talking about because that's what you always whining about. So we talk about NFL. College football is, is important too. Hey, I'm sure it is. No, no, no. You don't care about I'm sure it's shout out to all the college football players if you're watching. I'm college sure it is. Football, but, uh, college football fans. So, <laughs> so Hill's watching right now. And, and I know she's a big Bees fan. Yeah. So, yeah, we got uh, we got shout out to Bees. Uh, all right. Winbush, I see you up in here, man. How we sound, man, before we start? Yeah, uh, give me a sound check. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my man. See, so he's watching. Appreciate it. Winbush, man, give me a sound check real quick because you, you on here right now. I see you on here. Stop trying to skate. Yeah, but uh, we, we know you're watching. Yeah, got a, a, a very special episode today. Yeah. Special for me, uh, special for everybody in here. Uh, but uh, I think we good on both sides. Oh, y'all good. Appreciate it. See, y'all good. Don't worry about that. No, I Pay hear attention. feedback. It might be on, it might be on Sensei side. Oh, okay, okay. Down. So uh, very special guest here today, special to me. Hopefully special to everybody else. Have a lot of good conversations today. Uh, so I'll go ahead and introduce real quick. Let me uh, turn this down now. Here we go. We and go. we got uh, Paul Mendoza from Modesto, California. Sensei, and I, I'm gonna call him Sensei throughout this whole thing. Sensei means teacher in Japanese. If you don't know, I know what it means. I've been in Japan. No, you didn't know that. Though. You didn't know that though. Three and a half Just say I taught you some new today. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> so, Sensei, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That's what I do. <laughs> sensei, go ahead and introduce yourself. Let the people know who you are. Okay, um, I'm Paul Mendoza. I'm a um, uh, fifth degree master black belt in uh, Shudokan Karate. Uh, third degree black belt in Gracie Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, started started Muay Thai when I was eighteen. Stick fighting when I was fifteen. Uh, proficient with uh, bladed weapons for about twenty years. Uh, former defensive tactics instructor, um, MMA coach, uh, cornerman. Cornered over two hundred fifty fights. Um, experienced in uh, boxing. Uh, you name it. Thumb wrestling, how, how you want to get down? I can do it. <laughs> Thumb wrestling. So, so Mike, if you don't know, I brought him on just in case. Well, you want to fuck with me one more time? Watch him out. <laughs> First of all, watch him out. But what the man just explained was everything he was good at, not you. That he, none of his. That, that he, I see you got this dusty sensei. I'm gonna call you sensei too. Yeah. Sensei, I just want you to know this belt over here. He got. I think you gave it to him. It's dusty. He ain't take care of it. He ain't put. Do he ain't put no no downy on it. Or Nothing. <laughs> well, actually, I, I I have his original belt. Yeah. 
You yeah. know, when he left into the military, he actually presented me his original belt that I gave him. So I got that in my in my uh, in my other office. Yeah. So uh, the other one he has is a temporary one. I have the real one. Oh, you got the real. And okay, it's not you... dusty. <laughs> <laughs> so that means you taking care of yours. He ain't taking care of his. No, no, it's right over there. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. All right. yeah, all right, but man. no, man. Special show. We want to talk a lot about. We talk a lot about leadership on this show and everything like that. So uh, we want to tap in pretty much a non-military side of leadership because never been in the military. Am I, am I correct? That's right. Yeah, never been. No. In the, yeah, uh, but we want to top and in, top into the leadership side. So I really want to take it from the ground up. Uh, you get a lot of students on a day to day basis. When you get a lot of students, what do you? Uh, what's the first thing you do with them? Because I know they all have different aspirations, and I know time has changed from now until then. But we have different aspirations when they come to see you. Uh, so what's your mindset when a new student comes in? Well, I mean, if we took it, if, if we take a look at that, you know, obviously there's there's different you know, martial arts. And, you know, if we're talking about, you know, teaching children to teaching adults and teaching maybe some that's a little older, um, if we just kind of look at the MMA part, you know, when, when a person comes in and, and, and which happens a lot, you know, uh, the first time I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was uh, 1995. Um, and Jiu-Jitsu was so new. MMA, you know, um, UFC was just a baby. And um, I w- actually, I wasn't really into grappling. I didn't really like grappling. Didn't like wrestling. I was boxing, started boxing when I was six years old, started Kempo at eight, karate at 12. So I was always a stand-up fighter. And um, MMA was this new thing, jiu-jitsu was this new thing. And so I started learning jiu-jitsu from videotapes. Mm. And so uh, it was just something I had to do. I was never good at it. Well, good thing I did because I didn't realize how big the sport was going to get. Um, so I started jujitsu in 1995. Then I started formally with my teacher, uh, uh, Ralph Gracie, but it's pronounced health in Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, all the R's are H's. Health, Hoist, Hickson. Mm-hmm. So um, I started, you know, training Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA. Um, my first fighter I, I ever put in, the, in a fight was 1999. So mm-hmm. since then, I've probably cornered over 250 fights. You know, um, four, few in the UFC, I think of course, four in the UFC, Bellator, you name it. And so I do have a lot of young men coming in here and want to be MMA fighters. So right now, honestly, when, when a kid comes in and tells me they want to be in the UFC, especially in California, Northern California in particular, you might as well tell me you want to be an astronaut. <laughs> because actually it's probably, it's probably easier to be an astronaut. Right. You know, uh, it's very similar to a young man, you know, uh, you know, for a lot of years, Dominic thought he was going to be an NBA player. Yeah, that's right. You know? we, well, we know what happened. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we know what happened. You know, actually, I think one day he came in and was quit. He actually came in and told me he was yep. quitting karate because he was going to be an NBA player. That's right. We glad you stuck. I'm glad you stuck with it. I was back two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More like two hours later. <laughs> so, you know, um, there's a lot of factors that go into a fighter. Obviously, the physical part of it. But really, the mental part of it, I look for the first. Mm. Um, so, you know, I look for a couple of things. Number one, um, they come in, um, their work ethic. You know, what are they willing to do to make it? Um, uh, and I, there's a couple of questions I ask them, you know, about their sports history. If they've had, you know, wrestling or some kind of martial art background, it makes it easier. But people like um, water polo. Water polo is basically MMA in the water. 
Mm. You know, they're drowning each other. So, you know, water polo, soccer has been a great uh, feeder, you know, the endurance. Um, football, not as well. Believe mm. it or not, you know, I've never had great success with football players. Um, and the reason why, a couple of reasons. Um, number one, plays are 30 seconds. So their mm. cardio a lot of times is not that great, mm. you know. And two, uh, sometimes football players don't have the heart as, let's say, um, a rugby player or even a soccer player, mm. you know, you know, uh, and the reason why is because, or a wrestler, wrestler is a good example because football is team sports. A lot of times you have 11 guys to back you up. You have a particular job you have to do. Mm. And we're wrestling. Um, basketball is another great feeder because they're running up and down the court, great cardio. And they're, you know, uh, soccer, like I said, so football, I haven't been great success taking football players, crossing them over. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of factors when they come in. Usually, you know, I, I need to know their mental capacity for taking orders and following direction. So mm-hmm. I would say that's probably one of the biggest, biggest things I look for. Okay. So what, I got a question. What started you? Um, I mean, obviously you had to be a follower before you became a leader, you know, a student before you became a teacher. So what, what started you? What, what, what made you think, Hey, I want to go into this world of, you know, martial arts. Um, uh, you know, growing up in Vallejo when I was a kid, I'm from originally from Oakland, California. I moved to Vallejo when I was a kid. I lived across the street from a boys and girls club. And one day I was walking by with my mom and I, I heard the speed bag and I, and I heard, blah, 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 blah. And I walked in this, this boys and girls club and the smell of the leather and the sweat and, you know, it was just exciting. So I started, my mom started me a box when I was six years old. And then right after that, um, we went to the drive-in. And uh, she we watched the Bruce Lee movie, and then after that, I was like, "That's what I want to do." Yeah. So we moved we moved to Modesto, and um, uh, I was very you know troubled kid. You know, I was dyslectic. I was I had a stuttering problem. I, I didn't know my left or right until I was twelve years old. Mm-hmm. Um, if if everybody was on book number six, I'm on book number two. Mm-hmm. I was in resource classes from the time I was eight years old all the way to high school. Uh, back in the seventies, they just thought I was crazy, so they tried to pump me full of Ritalin, and um, wow. that later on turned into kids used to make fun of me for not being able to read and and write, and so that turned into for me being a bully. I realized yeah. that if I can if I just beat them up, they're not gonna make fun of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an older brother, but me and him were not really close, so I was looking for a I was looking for a big brother. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was thirteen years old. Um, I just, uh, my aunt lived next to this pool hall. And so at 13 years old, I just started hanging out in this pool. I was in karate. I started karate at 12 and I started hanging out the pool hall when I was 13. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, a group of kids that I hung out with one time decided to start a gang and, uh, went to my friend's house. They called me in the room, five guys jumped, jumped me. Next thing you know, I'm in a gang. Wow. And so from 13 to 17, I lived this, uh, like three lives. You know, I went to, went home. I was a son. I went to karate and I was this good karate student. And then I ran the streets, I, you know, selling drugs and doing gang stuff. Um, and I was trying to compete. Uh, three things I ever wanted to do in my whole life was I wanted to be a black belt. Mm. I wanted to open my own karate school and I wanted to be a world champion, mm. but in the mix, I 
found, you know, when, when you're a kid, you get in where you fit in. And right. so these group of guys were just as messed up as me. My home life wasn't that great. My parents were kind of alcoholics, a lot of violence. So, you know, they became, you know, this, this circle. Right. So um, I think the older gang leader knew I wasn't supposed to be there. So he only let me dive into so much mm-hmm. and um, just, you know, selling little drugs. And, you know, I never got, he never let me carry a gun, but I had to do certain other gang stuff. Um, and I was competing and I started losing competitions. So I woke up one day and I lost a competition. I was like, you know what? I can't do this no more. Mm. Um, I just met my wife at the time. She was 14. I was 16, seven, I was 16, didn't want to be 17. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I can't be a world champion, you know, running streets. So, uh, I went to this gang leader. And I said, man, I, I need to go. And he let me out. And no one, he didn't let anybody touch me. And, um, but just so happened, the next day I'm giving a friend a ride home. And uh, he happened to have a gun in his bag. And we seen a car pass us with some girls in it. I didn't know there was a couple guys in the car. And uh, we pulled over, guys jumped out, started beating my friend up. So stupid me, I decided to grab a gun and I pointed at four people just to kind of stop them from beating my friend up. Right. They called the cops. Next day, cops picked me up. I'm looking, I've been arrested a few times after that, before that. And now they had me on gun charges. I was looking at two years in CYA, which took me to 19, which would sent me to prison. Right. And um, four witnesses. I lied and said it was a fake gun. To pick a real gun, to pick a fake gun, I walked. Wow. And um, that day I was like, you know what? I'm not drinking no more. I'm not smoking no more. And since then, I've never touched alcohol, never touched anything. Uh, well, I just recently started eating some some milligrams to sleep. But... <laughs> But yeah, and then I just spoke completely focused. My teacher, my karate teacher at the time said, you're going to teach karate. So I had to stand in front of kids like Dominic and tell them why they need to stay in school, why they need to be good people, why they need to lead by example. So I had to do it. And right. that started this journey of just, you know, I'm going to be the best I can be for somebody else. Right. Making, making myself great is one thing, but making somebody else great is something different. Absolutely. So since then, my journey's just been, you know, taking people and taking sparks and smolders and turning them into fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in the process, I've won four world titles myself. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is not what I did. It's what I can do for somebody else. Right. And so that's what got me into MMA was, uh, well, actually, let me back up. I found my karate school I started fighting some kid made fun of me because I started, I stutter and I found him after school. I was 12 years old. I found him after school and I went to beat him up and he beat me up with karate, mm. gave me a, a business card. I went to my karate <laughs> teacher and then boom, you know, yeah. and uh, fast forward, I'm, I'm getting ready to start, you know, 24 years old karate guy in my, in my, one of my students was a wrestler and we decided to do this MMA thing we seen on UFC number one. Mm-hmm. 
And we start fighting. He drug me to the ground. I couldn't do nothing. So I was like, I got to learn this jujitsu thing. And um, I started learning videotapes. And then I found my teacher in uh, uh, Ralph Gracie, which was in um, uh, San Jose area. I'm in Modesto. Travel three hours, three, four times a day, $300 a month. But I'm 25, 26 years old, and that started this whole MMA journey for me. Man, the story. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a long story, man. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're welcome. Yeah, you're good. If you guys have any questions, uh, please go ahead and put them in the comments, and we'll go ahead and push them out there. Uh, does that upbringing help you relate maybe to kids or help you uh it sounds like there's nothing that a kid can tell you that you haven't been through yourself so does that help you kind of relate when you're trying to take kids and turn them into adults you know it does because not just kids but you know i have troubled adults that come in man their life is just sometimes spun out of a little maybe control and they don't have a path and and this becomes a place for people to hide away from you know, the outside world, you know, including myself, you know, uh, I don't, I can't control what happens out there, but in here I can control, you right. know, growing up as a kid, I was just a regular guy out there. But when I put my gi on, I put my black belt on, I put, and I went out there and I was Superman, you know, right. and kids looked at me like that. And when you have that kind of responsibility, you have, you know, uh, a duty to attend to, and that's to be an example. So, you know, when not just kids, but, you know, adults that come in and, you know, guys that are 18, 20, I've had some really serious talks with people in their thirties that, you know, come in, their life is just not where they want. And this becomes a place, whether they want to be, you know, UFC champions, or they're just trying to look for somewhere just to get away from the world. This becomes the place for it. And I think martial arts in general does that because really in team sports, like football, baseball, it becomes about a season because about a game right. if you're not the fastest if you're not, not the most athletic you don't have a place but on the mat in martial arts you know the the, the instructor's just happy you came in mm -hmm. and you go at your own pace and there's been a lot of guys in particular you know dominic you know and i'm not trying to pick on him but yeah, go ahead pick, first, on, pick on <laughs> my first job with dominic was just trying to get him to not fall down stand up <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so he's still clumsy, Lyle. I want you to know. Yeah. He, yeah. So, he opened the door yeah. early and fell. <laughs> so, just, so just to have him stand up straight about falling down, you know, so, you know, but when, but when they came in here, you know, when people come in here, it wasn't about how athletic they are. I just liked them because they were here and I wanted them to love what I love. Right. And that was the passion I brought out because, you know, truly man, is easily influenced through words of conviction. Mm. So I can walk into a classroom and, you know, really make people believe that George Washington drove a race car <laughs> if I have conviction where I, where I teach it. Right. So, you know, if you, if you go and look at all the greatest speakers who ever lived, whether they were great people or bad people, you know, they always had one thing, they spoke with conviction. Mm -hmm. And that 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 belief in what you say reaches people. And you know when that when when they believe that I believe what I'm saying, then you know they're real they're ready to go through fire. You know you know for your coach, your commander, your chief, whoever your sensei. You know we, we will we will run through fire for them, and mm -hmm. then it all becomes because of words of conviction.
Man, I'm yeah. glad he said that. That yeah. that's totally transparent to where to where we at and what we do 100. percent Yeah. So we had a, we had a question for you, sure. uh, Chief Counsel. Our day said, "What was the most difficult lesson you had to teach teach your students?" Ooh, that's that's a very great question. And in, and I you know the answer I always will say is tolerance. Okay. You know because it, it, it's so easy to look at somebody's, um, as even as a coach or just a human, to look at someone's fault and magnify that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can always look at somebody's fault, whether it's, you know, uh, in the world today, whether it's race, color, I mean, religion, you know, sexual orientation. It's always to look and ease, be easy to find someone's fault that you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But to, to, uh, to master tolerance, and understanding is truly the hardest thing to teach somebody. Mm. And, and is it because, do you think it's because of what that person internally values or what they values are prior to, you know, trying to be adjusted or trying to see something different? Is, would you say it has a lot to do with that? Oh, yeah. Well, that too. But, you know, it's very similar to military. When you go into the military, it's very similar to martial arts because, when you, when you go into military, and, and, and I can relate to martial arts because you, you'll come onto the mat, and now you're in a world where, you know, you're not in your neighborhood, you're not in your group, you're not with your family, so you're, you're put into a position where you have to be tolerant of other people's views, opinions, lifestyles that right. you normally, because normally we always um, uh, get in where we fit in. You know, we always we're usually generally gravitate to people who think like us, who speak like us, who act like us. But when you go into the military, martial arts, school, college, now you're in a setting where people, um, you have to be tolerant. And if you don't master the skill of tolerance, then you're constantly on defensive. Also, you're always trying to prove somebody wrong. Mm -hmm. And when you're always trying to prove somebody wrong, you just can't be right. You know, I don't even know if that makes sense. Perfect perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, perfect sense. Um, we got a lot of questions. I'll, yeah. I'll get to the. I'll hold off mine and I'll get to these. Uh, we have one from uh, Blake Tally. What's the greatest quality uh, can you gain in life from MMA? Um, getting started at a young age. Yeah, especially getting uh, especially started getting started young age. Well, you know, uh, I'm always careful starting children with MMA because I'm not in the business of teaching people how to fight. You know, I'm I'm in the business of uh, teaching confidence and discipline. So the problem with MMA, opposed to, let's say, karate or taekwondo, is MMA is a sport mm-hmm. that, that turned into a discipline. So you have these MMA coaches who, um, you know, just started watching MMA on, on YouTube. They popped open a, you know, their garage <laughs> or a, you know, a, you know, a building and they're teaching MMA opposed to somebody like me who started martial arts and martial arts have all these principles of honor, etiquette and respect. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, you know, Hey, take your kid to karate, take your kid to, you know, uh, Taekwondo because in those arts, you're going to get yes, sir. No, sir. You're going to get the attitude of gratitude. You mm-hmm. know, you're going to get, you're going to learn that first. Um, because MMA is like, it's like going to basketball practice. You know, you know, a lot of times the coaches in MMA aren't there to uh, do character development. Mm-hmm. You know, they hey, we got to get ready for the sport. And so, you know, 
teaching, you know, I have a lot of people bring their four-year-old, you know, they want to learn cage fighting because that, you know, their parents love MMA, mm. you know? So uh, I always believe that, you know, uh, take your kid to a traditional martial arts class, jujitsu, you know, there's bowing, there's etiquette and respect. MMA can always fall in later. You know, so that's what I would say. I would say, you know, go to a traditional martial art class, take it with jiu-jitsu. If you want to learn MMA, go to Muay Thai, go to jiu-jitsu, MMA is first. So, you know, yeah, you know, there has to be some kind of uh, foundation. The foundation to all of this starts with respect. So in, in MMA, sometimes it's just a band of mercenaries right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my daughter, I started her karate. She went to Muay Thai. And that's, you know, that's kind of why I like it. I don't know if that answers the question. But. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You want to read one more? Yeah, yeah. Um, in your experience, what qualities or lack thereof prevent someone from being successful in martial arts? Uh, the, the, the ability, their, their ability to listen, mm. you know. Um, you know, sometimes people come in and depending on the age, you know, sometimes they have this idea of what martial arts is and what they see on TV. And... Truly, to be a student, you you have to let go. You know, you have to give trust. And, you know, um, so when you do that, you know, when people come in with walls, you know, uh, it's hard for me as a, as a coach and a teacher to get over those walls. So we have to build a connection. So a lot of times it's just, you know, when guys come in and, and students come in, they just have a hard time listening, it makes it very difficult. You know, and that, that, that's probably the answer to that. Yeah. yeah. So you feel like you, you had to break them down to build them back up. Well, you know, it's funny you, you, you say that because, you know, I have this theory that I follow when I'm training fighters. Mm-hmm. And training fighters is very, very similar to, you know, taking a, a guy, in, you know, taking him into boot camp. Because if you look at how, you know, uh, military works, a guy comes into the military. First thing you have to do is you have to strip them of any bit of individualism they have. You know, you're not an individual anymore. You're part of a squad. You're part of a team, you know. So you strip them of all individualism they have. You know, we're all going to look alike. We're all going to talk alike. And then then what you have to do is you have to get them dependent on the 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 sergeant the drill sergeant the instructor the coach you are now going to think my thoughts you're going to speak my words you're going to be dependent on me your your life you know is going to require you to put to be in my hands Mm -hmm. you know you're going to think that you cannot go on without me Mm -hmm. and by doing that then i got to break you down then i got to take you and then i got to break you to your last bit of dna you know i gotta make you cry i gotta make you and then the process if you quit then i don't ring you know uh ring that bell you know yeah. give me your dor remember, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that uh yeah. officer and gentleman give me your yeah. dor drop all the crest yeah that's why i get a guy in and i break him down you know when you tell me you're going to be a fighter that gives me the right to do and say whatever i want to you you know and i do it because uh, my your life I, is in my hands, and I take that seriously. Mm-hmm. So you break them down. Once you break them down, then I can fill the cup. Then you teach them a skill, and you make them a soldier. Then you take them out to war, and you let them kill. And then they become a warrior. Mm-hmm. That's how soldiers are built. Mm-hmm. And same thing with fighters. You know, 
once, once I give them the skill, then I take them out to the cage and make them fight. Then they become fighters. Yeah. And that's the process of, of this whole thing. Okay. So let me ask you a personal question, if you don't mind. Yeah. I don't think I ever asked you this before. So I've been fighting under you for a very, very long time. Was there ever a day that you were just like, you know what? I, I'm a fuck Dominic up today. Like today's the day that yes. I'm just gonna put. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. I felt like that sometimes, but it was like, yes. is this the day that, that and do you do that with your fighters now? Like, this is the day I'm Everybody. gonna take you. Really? If you? Yes, yes, I still do, and I'm 51. And you know what? I would tell people all the time, you want to shot a title? Let's go. You know, <laughs> and I may, and if I can't do it physically, then I do it through the workout because you know um, what I do is I need to check your heart. I need to check your heart, you know? And the way you do it is you go there and today is just your day. Dominic, the, you know, that Friday, remember Friday was always fun yes, for us? Yes, sir. Friday, <clears throat> Friday is your day. And sometimes, you know, when you guys started military, some days you thought your drill sergeant just hated your guts, you know? Yeah. And it was just your day. And sometimes doing that, the, the, the coach or the drill sergeant really checks what's inside because, you know, uh, um, if I can break you enough, you know, if I can break you enough and, and I can't and you can't get back up, you know what, man, you're not you don't deserve to be here, mm-hmm. you know. And every time, you know, and I, I started training Dominic when he was five years old, you know, and, and you know, I, I really didn't start putting boots to him until he was probably about 13 <laughs> Yeah. You know, and then I started fighting him and beating him up like a man, yeah. you know, and every single day he came back and that's what you look for. You, you must know, have been giving away free food. He came, he came back for the granola bars. Feel like you he know, went FP'd up daily. Yeah. Target. Yeah. You know, you come in and sometimes, you know, guys come in or sometimes guys, uh, uh, one of my fighters in the UFC, you know, he got to the UFC. I had to make sure and let him know that nobody's bigger than the gym. So mm-hmm. he got to the UFC. He came in and I, you know, I, I drug him through the ringer because yeah. you know what? Don't ever let you get your head too big. So yeah, some days you, you just got to break somebody just to remind them that they're human still. Yeah. hundred percent. What else you had? There was a couple of questions. Yeah, there, we can man. get back. I'm not sure how far it goes up. Uh, you can go to that one. Top one. Where you at? Top one. Oh, so how much conditioning? Uh, I can't see. You got the wire in the way. How much conditioning matter when it comes to uh, learning martial arts? Okay, so we're talking about MMA, and that's I think a lot of times that's what you know people are really interested in. So with MMA, um, because MMA is so big, you know, you have wrestling, you have jujitsu, you have boxing, you have cage work. Mm-hmm. You know, you really so back in the back in the day, what we used to do, we used to just spar, and we would just grind each other out just by sparring nonstop. Rounds can, after rounds. Can you, what, can you explain what sparring is real quick? Okay, so sparring would be, let's say, we, get, we come in, get the pads on, and if we're boxing, then we're boxing, we're kickboxing. So now we're, we're punching each other. And, uh, you know, there's a saying, in, you know, in boxing and kickboxing in MMA is that, you know, uh, usually, you know, if the saying goes, you know, the person does you a favor is not always your friend, and the right. person that I hit is not always my enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've hit my my friends, my brothers, you know, my students way harder than the person I'm fighting sometimes. So sometimes the conditioning is, has to do with coming in. We're just, we're just banging it out, you know? Mm-hmm. 
But now the paradigm has changed. So now what I do with fighters, before we come in, we just spar 30 rounds until we can't, we're bleeding. Now what I do is once they get to a certain skill, then I, I bring in, you know, conditioning coaches, agility, power coaches, you know, a strength training. And now what I want to do is I want to um, build up the physical part of the agility, the endurance, because really the punching, kicking is not that hard to learn, but being able to sustain that for a long period of time, mm-hmm. longer than your opponent, mm-hmm. you know, because the whole battle is against fatigue. Right. You know, the, the saying fatigue makes cowards out of men. Right. And that's true. So if you can do it longer than the other guy, you know, it has to come down to it. So now what I do is we'll spend, I would say, I would say about 60 to 70% of the time. Now we're talking at a professional level, right. 60% of the time taking my professional fighters and putting them in conditioning, you know, uh, with, with coaches and myself and the other, you know, 30 to 40% we're doing actual physical beating. Cause now, you know, we're not worried about getting hurt. And, and that was actually proven um, through a, a, a college football team. Um, I forgot what the story, uh, where it was, but there was a, a D3 team that came in and the coach said, you know what, we're, take your pads off. We're not going to hit. All we're going to do is we're going to con- condition. Mm-hmm. And they just conditioned and they didn't hit each other very much, not live drills. Well, what happened was that team, and they did, they did technique, of the of football instead of just banging each other out. And that team went from D1, D3 to D1, became a championship team because they focused on doing it better, longer, and stronger than the other team. Right. And that's kind of where I kind of got the idea from. Yeah. How, so how is it, how important is it for, I mean, just as a, uh, what, what you call it, is, is it called a dojo? A studio, yeah. studio, yep. dojo. So, how is how important is it for everybody in there to be cohesive, or for that to become your second family uh, when it comes to connectivity? Very important because people see MMA as one guy out there, but it's truly not. Mm-hmm. It's a complete team thing. While my team in particular, we have, I have guys. Uh, so, I, I just had a guy fight a uh, professional fight, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, guys that come in, their their job is to do specific things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I'm I'm the leader. I'm the head of the spear. So, you know, my job is to drive this, you know, the, the, you know, this team. I have one guy who his job is to hold mitts. One guy's job is to take care of the, the wrestling. One, you know, when we get to the fight, one guy, I take care of the tape. I manage. I take care of all the PR and, and that stuff. And I set the fights up. One guy, he holds the football. Well, we call it a football because the president always has someone who carries the football he has all the nuclear codes, right? <laughs> so I have one guy, he held, he holds the football. The football has, you know, the tape, the bag, all the bag, all the equipment in it. And usually that's to the rookie. His job is to hold the football. <laughs> He's never that far away from me. And then when we get when we get to the when we get to the the ring, um, one I have my my second corner man, his job is to, to watch the clock. I need to know when the time is and I need to call it out to my my fighter to let him know, you know, if it's a five minute round. You know, I need to let him know we have specific codes we use. And when we come down to 30 seconds, he needs to know. So it's a, it is a, it is, and the fight for me, I'm in the fight too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when my fighter's fighting, if I have a guy with a good straight right hand, I need to shut that right hand down. So I start yelling codes out. You know, uh, I start yelling things up like, uh, when he does the right hand, do the move. We've been working on the move, do the move. There's no move. 
Right. I just want the other guy to know that when he throws that big shot, his power right hand, there might be something. And sometimes they don't throw the right hand. Yeah. My games. Or I'm talking to the, uh, I look and see if there's a judge next to me. So I start trying to influence the judge with my words. So mm-hmm. this is a complete team sport. So if this guy that is not a team player, if he ain't following direction and he's out there just going rogue, nothing works right. You yeah. know, so this is this is truly a team sport that people don't see. Wow. Uh, you used to tell me that uh, when you used to coach us, it was like playing video games. Like yeah. it, would, uh, it would just be like you have an Xbox controller and you playing Street Fighter basically with us in the ring. Is that still? Yes. Is that still? What is that mindset like? What does that mean? Because so example, there was at one point, Dominic, when you were competing, you know, there was one voice you heard. And that was mine. You know, that was my voice. You know, you, all through all this craziness that's happened out there, excuse me, all the crowd, people screaming, you hear one voice, and subconsciously. You know, I can say something, you know, and then you just do it. You know, you're so in tune with your coach, your commander, your squad leader, that it becomes like a video game. When I when I when I connect with somebody so closely, it's like, you know, up, up, down, left, left, right, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're moving and and they'll come back and they'll say, you know, you know, I, I'm the only voice they hear. Mm-hmm. Wow. Take uh take me to uh, um I think a lot of our viewers want to know take us through a UFC uh locker room in the background what we don't get to see uh since you oh, yeah. a lot of people what goes on when the cameras aren't on you know they're hitting the mitts and they look all flashy and everything what goes on maybe a couple hours before the fight and a couple minutes before the fight well, the UFC has done such a great job you know of building the sport so quickly you know if you look at boxing boxing is such in a bad way right now you know it's so sad. You know, I'm a huge boxing fan, but what UFC did, UFC is is becoming, you know, this this it is it's this it's this is giant because what UFC does, they tried to build a sport where boxing tries to build a fight, mm. and you know, and so you know, and, and you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm a Floyd Mayweather fan, but he he in in one sense he he really held boxing hostage. You know, that's the reason why boxing is the way it is right now. Mm. But in UFC, when you become champion, your head's on a chopping block right away. Mm. So, you know, the first time I was in the UFC with one of my fighters, uh, Dana White Camp comes in and he's having a meeting with the fighters. And he says, give these fans what they want. If you want, and they want to stay, they don't want to see you go out there and lay down. If you go watch the early UFCs, all these jujitsu guys be out there laying on the back. And, you know, now, you know, they barely go to the ground now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what happens is, you know, uh, as soon as you arrive Monday, uh, depending on where it's at. So let's say it's in Vegas and you're here in the United States, you, you get there a week early and then, you know, they come pick you up the airport. And before you even go anywhere to the your room, they take you and they weigh you in because they need to know how far off your weight. So an example, if you have a fighter like this, uh, what do we have? We had a big fight. Last weekend, yeah, you know, Usman and, and Covington, mm-hmm. they fought, I think, what, what 170? Yes, sir. Or 185. Okay, well, okay, well, when they showed up in Vegas that Monday before the fight, they weighed probably 190, mm-hmm. you know? And so they come in, and the UFC checks their weight. Um, it's much different from when we fought in the, you know, it's like 2011. You know, I was, uh, before this whole virus stuff, I went there with one of my fighters in 2019 or 18. And they pick us up. They have their they have their diet. They give them their food. They check their hydration. Um, um, you know, uh, throughout the week, they're they're checking their weight. 
and then you have to start a weight cutting process. Um, so they want to know where you at. So you, you're weighing in like a couple times a week, you know, before actual fight. Um, uh, before they let, they used to let us uh, use IVs because you know when you cut that much weight and you slap an IV in to put two bags of fluid back in and boom, you're you're back up. You know, mm. now what happens? They don't let you use IVs because. USADA, which is the, the drug testing, there when you use an IV, there's small traces of plastic that that actually are these small traces of yeah, the plastic that that are in your bloodstream that they can tell if you use an IV, but they don't know if you're if you're blood doping. Mm-hmm. So for some of your viewers that don't know, um Lance Armstrong stuff, mm-hmm. you know, which was they take a a portion of your blood out and they store it. And then they make you go work out. And then what happens is you start working out. Let's say, I don't, I don't know how many pints of blood they take out, but your body replenishes that blood. So, you, you know, then right before the event, maybe a few days before, they put all the blood back in. So now you have millions and millions of more blood cells, of mm. red blood cells. It's the red blood cells that stop you from getting tired. Mm. So Lance Armstrong, well, everybody was doing it. You know, mm-hmm. Lance Armstrong and everybody was doing it. So UFC fighters, MMA athletes started doing that. They started doing blood transfusions. So what they said, they said no more IVs. That's why UFC went to uh, weigh-ins early instead mm-hmm. of late. So now those, those big weigh-ins at night, those are just for show because they weighed in earlier that day. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they have more time to hydrate. Mm-hmm. And so you hide, you have to, you know, cut all that weight and then you have to hydrate and try to get all that back. And so the UFC now helps you with all that. And so UFC has a performance uh, institute where you go there and they have all these doctors and, you know, top notch, uh, uh, you know, state of the art facility where they're really trying to build the next athlete. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, it's just an incredible thing. So, yeah, all leading up to it is all just make UFC making sure you're going to be ready to put the show on when you're ready and you're doing all your PR stuff. And uh, I mean, it is, it is quite a uh, organization they have there. So yeah, yeah, there's, they're more worried about weight than anything else. Wow. So at what point did you realize that uh, Pete was not going to be an MMA fighter? And you just told him, <laughs> just, just go to the Air Force. <laughs> well, by time, by time he was already, you know, uh, at that point, you know, you know, MMA was was still at infancy, and he was, you know, I don't know, he he was he was doing everything. I think, you know, so he was already getting in the military. So, you know, uh, but what you know, uh, when I started MMA back in '95, uh, I I was working at a, another karate school, big karate school. Mm-hmm. It was 350 people, this big place, and I I just left and started out of my little garage, my little one car garage. Yeah, and me, Dominic, and uh, uh, you know, maybe 10 other kids, you know, came to my garage and we just started doing MMA, you know? So back, you know, when MMA wasn't even MMA, I was making, you know, Dominic, you know, grapple and jiu-jitsu and kickbox and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. So it was, it's been a quiet journey. If, if he, if MMA was bigger when he was younger, yeah, I probably would toss his ass in the cage. <laughs> because, I would you know love why? to see that. I would love his to see dad, that. His dad basically just handed him over to me and just told yep. me to do whatever I wanted. So, you know, <laughs> actually his dad told me, his dad told me if I, his dad gave me permission to whip his ass anytime I wanted to. Yep. 
Damn. And, uh, <laughs> Damn, well, come again. I'm giving you permission now. <laughs> he, 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 need, he need to get a few yeah. kicks inside his head a little well, bit. Well, he's not ready to take a shot at title. I'll tell you that. Oh, you crazy. Hold on. Just the other day, just the other day, this 12 year old girl took his coffee. Man, please. <laughs> she didn't even coffee. <laughs> but you know what? Back to the garage, man. This garage was a, a, a sacred place that we used to train at. This carpet was not carpet. I don't even know. It was, it was like the sandpaper. Yeah, sandpaper. <laughs> and we used to roll around, and we used to have the dryer on to keep it hot in the in the summer t- or the winter time. Yeah. We used to have big old industrial fans in the corner. We used to run into and people used to bust their head wide open, hit people the fans. Were, maybe that's know, where your brain young. cells at. Yeah, I was young, so pe- people would drive by. Yeah, and they would come in. They'd be like, "Hey, you know, they want to fight." So I tell them, "Come back at eight o'clock." Yeah, you know, and the class is over, and I'm fighting some dude in my garage. You know, like <laughs> you know, and. So right. it was quite the wild west, you know. Now, you know, I, I own an eight thousand square foot facility, and now, uh, you know, I had to realize I got to make some money. Yeah. So I just can't be, you know, you know, you know, out there being a cowboy. So it's it's a business, yeah. and you know, I treat it like that, you know. So you know, finding fighters, man, it, it, it's a poor man's business. You yeah. know? Tell me about this. Um, I saw a while ago you were helping out, and I think it's autism. I thought it was yeah. autism. I could have been wrong, but you were taking people and bringing them into the martial arts that have autism to kind of help out with that. How did yeah. that start? Yeah. How did that start? What does it look like? I think that started with me, you know, being dyslectic and having ADD as a kid. You know, uh, people don't really understand the difficulty is with that. And kids with autism, sometimes they, they have the same, you know, um, problems just getting to know people and, and uh, martial arts, because it's so physical, you know, it, it, it grabs them, you know, and they can focus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and two, they don't feel like an outcast. So when I have kids with not just autism, with any other form of uh, learning disability, you know, uh, it's about connecting. And, and martial arts is so visual, you know, and they see Ninja Turtles and, you know, and, you know, and all these movies. And, and it's easy to grab kids and, and let them focus on you because they, they want to be superheroes themselves. Right. And, you know, uh, with kids with autism, you know, uh, um, and a lot of kids, especially nowadays, right now, mental health issues with children are, are so big. Right. And for me, as, as growing up as a kid with the, the, the problems I had, it was really like if you watch TV and every five seconds you change the channel, that's what goes on. And sometimes these kids with, with mental issues, the, the, yeah. every five seconds, that, that, that channel changes. Yeah. And I, I couldn't sit down and and watch a teacher for 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 two minutes, but I would sit and watch my karate teacher for an hour, you mm. know, and, and and learn. So, you know, my first uh, my first experience, you know, learning how to fight was chess. You know, my teacher was like, "You want to learn how to fight? Okay, come on." And then he brought me in. And there was a chess board. He started teaching me how to play chess. And I thought he didn't want to teach me how to fight, but really he was teaching me how to fight playing chess. Yeah. And, you know, because the pieces of, of the chess board is truly the idea of fighting, you know? And so, uh, you know, and, and having, being, um, uh, having autism or being, having ADD to focus is the hardest thing to do. And I've had kids that had ADD, autism, you name it, and I can sit them down you know, we can play chess, we can learn katas, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and everything's based on the visual part of martial arts. You know, yeah. so, yeah, it, it becomes an important part of their life. So how, how important is it for you to get to know your audience or get to know these students as much as it is for them to learn what they're getting oh, into? Oh, good question, because, 
you know, everybody's different. And to be a real good leader, you really have to know how to reach people differently. So for instance, there was, uh, you know, there's one guy I can bring in or a student who I can just tell him, you shut your mouth and do what I say and do that right now. But there might be another guy who come in and I can't do that. I got to be a little more careful with my words, right. you know? Um, sometimes kids come in and even adults and, you know, um, uh, sometimes kid, people come in, they just need an ass whooping because they got what they wanted and, you know, and, and someone never put their foot down and they just need an ass whooping, mm. you know? And then you have kids come in maybe they have had too many ass whoopings and they just need a hug. Right. So, you know, determining, you know, which is which is usually, you know, I was just talking to a young man, you know, this week, you know, and his problem was he, you know, he had too many ass whoopings. So, you know, I can't get on him and, and be strict and, and, you know, I can't sometimes be too harsh on him because he shuts down, you know, yeah. I got to maybe reach a little deeper and find another way where one kid guy, one guy comes in and I can be, you know, more direct, you know, uh, so to be a real good leader, you have to understand that reaching people, everybody's different than how you reach them. Not, you know what? Not everybody, like a safe, not every safe has the same combination. Right. And that's the same thing with people. Yeah. So where's the baseline start at? How do you like, cause you don't want to go too hard and then realize, Oh man, I went too hard. It's too late. I lost them. But or you don't want to go too soft and then realize like, man, now it's hard to turn it back up. You know, sometimes it's with the first meeting. Sometimes I, I talk to people and I want to know their history, you know, but sometimes I can tell because when we start training, um, uh, they, sometimes they break down in certain ways. I can kind of tell, you know, if I'm harsh on them, they don't, they don't grab it. You know, I know, okay, well, maybe I got to do it a little different way. If I'm not getting, if you're a leader and you're not getting the results you want, it's not because it's not because the person you're leading, it's how you're leading. Mm -hmm. And so you quickly have to know, you know, okay, that didn't work. Well, let me try a different way, you know? And, you know, um, and that usually has to do with how good of a leader you are. Some guys just, you know, some people weren't meant to lead. Some people weren't, <laughs> some people were just weren't meant to lead, you know? And, and, uh, and I, I walk out and I see coaches all the time. I'm in the back getting fighters ready to fight and I'm looking mm -hmm. over and the, and the coach is panicking, you know, wow. and, and, you know, and man, you know, how would you like to be on an airplane and you hear, you know, you hear the pilot, yeah, oh shit. <laughs> you know, like, no, I'm jumping you, off ASAP. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, you know, to, to be a good leader, you quickly have to understand, you know, how uh, to direct your, um, you know, your, but with that said though, everybody has to know, that there's one way it goes, you know? So sometimes, um, uh, just as happened, I have a new group of guys coming in. And so, you know, I'm hearing them having way too much fun. So mm. I got to go in there and I got to cut someone's head off. You know, <laughs> I got to cut someone's, I got to cut someone's head off. So, so I got to go in there and, and, you know, and, and, and drop the hammer on somebody, you yeah. know, either physically or verbally, because, you know, uh, when people don't know the chain of command, then that's when things break down, yeah. you know, and, and uh, I want people to think for themselves, but they have to also understand that, you know, the, ch the chain of command cannot be broken, right. you know. So, you know, as a, as a good leader, 
I have to know that my guys trust me because I know how to lead. Yeah. <laughs> Accountability is important. Yeah, this is, why, this is why we call this leading martial arts because you can see how this relates right to what we do every single day. Uh, we we try to take people. Uh, we try to take. I'm not people. sure you guys can hear me, but I've, oh, no, we, uh, we just froze up here too. No, nah, we can hear you fine. Yeah, we can, we, yeah, we can hear you fine. We're, we're still good. I think you're a little frozen, but we can still hear you. Uh, real quick, uh, I, I think there's another question. Hopefully, it'll, it'll, it'll fix itself. But uh, in your opinion, what's the most effective martial arts? Jiu-jitsu, karate, judo, etc. Uh-oh, did we lose you for real? We might have. Might have had the bad connection. Let's wait a sec. Let's see what happened. Yeah, let's give it a quick second, y'all. Man, you lucky. You lucky. Let me tell you why you lucky, man. Because yeah. I was, I, I needed, I needed to hear them real stories. I needed to hear how many L's you took. Yeah, I, I took to all of them. I took a lot of L's in my in my life. I, I need took, to see the video though. Wait, but no, no, no. What you got to see the video for? What you mean? Because I need to, I need to, I need to have laughs. I need to be able to do all of that. Like I need. I need proof. Yeah, yeah. Let me see if we go jump back on real quick. But uh, there, I mean, he, he has more stories about me than anybody that you'll ever meet in yeah. my life. She said you started martial arts at five. Five years old, man. Five years old. Did it all the way till I was about thirty. Yeah. Uh, so why that old lady beat you up? Nah, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. But uh, that's all right, though, man. Yeah, man. That's why uh, it's hard. As you see, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, and hopefully, you can come back on. If not, then uh, we can get it back on. Uh, he said he's trying to connect right now, so we'll see if he can get back in. So, but, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. You're always throwing one. So, at what point in your in your military career did you feel like mentally you were? It was the same path as coming to a, adapting to this life as when it came to adapting to being a martial artist. Yeah, probably when I put on um, maybe senior airman staff. Uh, really, when I met chief counsel for real, because mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is just like my martial arts instructor. Okay, like a lot of the same things he was saying was a lot of things, same things that was happening. Um, but it was a little different, but really, really similar. Because when you go into the martial arts studio, you're going there for a purpose. Right. Right. You're going there to you learn how to be a fighter, to, to learn how to be a better fighter or whatever it is. But when you're going into the military, they try to drive you to a purpose. Does that make sense? I, I hear you. But I, I think you I think we still you come in with a purpose. I mean, our purpose may be different. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But. I think you saying you come in with a collective purpose when it comes to martial arts, but I think our we we still come in with a purpose when we do what we do. My purpose might be to get away, you know what I mean, get away from home, uh, to travel. People, some people say school, some people, you know, one hundred percent, you know, to fight for my country. I think everybody has a purpose. It's just possibly a different purpose. Yeah, you know? I, I I agree with that, but I think the difference is when you come in there, like we kind of know we're going in there to fight. As you progress in martial arts, at the beginning you have no idea what you're going into. Like, like he said, though, I think he said it perfectly, is you strip you of everything. So we're all wearing geese, right? We're all wearing the white geese, which mm-hmm. y'all seen on TV. We're all wearing belts. Mm-hmm. We're all sitting there barefooted and stuff like that. Uh, there's no haircut regs or anything like that, but there's a uniform type of reg. Like, right. you can't be in there with your st- shit all wrinkled and messed up. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and there, from there, you just line up. <laughs> Reminds me a lot of guard, man. You just line up, and somebody goes up front, and they tell you what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. And you're about to perform for the day. So they're either teaching you a new task redoing an old task that you already knew or trying to perfect a task. Right. Uh, so it just all depends what you're trying to do. So a lot of it comes to a full circle with the military. But then again, a lot of it doesn't because, like he said, it's a team effort, effort, but you're an individual doing a lot of things. Right. So I'm not looking at you saying, oh, you can kick better than me or something like that. Mm. I'm just trying to perfect my kick. 
And if you are a better kicker than me, then it just is what it is. So what what happens? Now that's you. What happens when you do find somebody? There he is. What happens when you do find somebody that has that internal? Uh, uh, they see everybody else internally as competition. What does that do for the structure? You can hear me, sir. There you go. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Nah, you all good. It's all good. We were just talking. Uh, Internally, we he just asked me internally, what do you do when somebody can beat you up or can is better than you? Oh, <laughs> I'm saying is what what happens when? So you saying like I know you're an individual, right? But as a whole in the studio, you still a team, like you were saying. Yo, and you were saying the goal is for most people is how can I see this person? How can I make my kick better? What happens when you have somebody internally instead of focusing on how to how they make themselves better? How to look at everybody else internally as competition? We don't. I don't think we ever. Well, we he made us look internally as competition, okay. but I don't think we ever really did. What happens was we would uh, we were a big group, and when we went out to tournaments. There would be, I don't know how many schools, 50 to 80 schools there with maybe 500 to 1,500. I might be lowballing this, but a lot of people, I was young, so don't, right. don't right, right. mess up my math. Right. But a lot of people would be there, and I we would be there in each other's corner rooting them on 100%. Ah. When we would fight uh, each other, since like, can you hear us look like you're frozen again? Uh, it might be frozen again. It might have lost that connection again. But mm-hmm. when we would fight each other, he would be there. And he just wants a good fight. Yeah. That's all he wants is a real good fight. He doesn't care how, what it looks like, how it looks. He just wants a good fight. Right. And so with each other, we would root each other on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, am I on? Yeah. Yeah. We, hear me? yeah, yeah. we can hear you. We can hear you. Uh, but that's how it looked with each other. So we kind of root each other. So we were never in competition with each other ever. Yeah. And he would instill that as our, saying, if you guys did fight each other, I just want a good fight. Yeah. Like y'all better just. <laughs> almost like beat each other up. Yeah. Like I, I just want y'all to go ham on each other. You know, sometimes you know, you know, sometimes you know. Uh, now physically, you know, like I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't beat him like physically. But sometimes, you know, but but conditioning wise, you know, I, I, right now I'm, I break my fighters down. You know, we have to we have to get physical burpees, push ups, conditioning. So some, so you know, my 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 theory is. Um, much like how certain military, you know, I try to, you know, take them to the worst spot during practice. So wherever they go to battle is better than where they just came from. Right. Mm-hmm. So during, I try to make it so hard and, and you know, that wherever they're going, you know, is easier than where they just came from. Right. You know, and, and sometimes they much rather deal with the other fight with the coach coming back, yeah. you know, all, know how to get to their fighters one way. If I yeah, I have heavyweights that are 265 pounds. Obviously I can't beat them up, but I, I have many more ways to get them. Yeah. You know, we're gonna do burpees, we're gonna run, we're gonna hit mountain. So yeah, you know, uh you know, being being a, a coach, you gotta definitely sometimes take your fighters to the edge uh of, of their the edge of their complete being, yeah. you know, whatever find whatever makes them drive inside, you take them to the edge, and sometimes you'll, you'll get it. You know, it's like it's like a like a diamond. You know, you take that piece of coal, you squeeze it too hard, you crack it. Mm-hmm. You got to get just enough pressure to get that diamond, right? You know, and that's that's what that's what being a coach is just like right there. Mm. Find that right pressure to get yourself a diamond, and sometimes people crack, and you know, if, if they do. That's fine because then that's one less person I don't got to worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, right. We only got a couple more minutes, but if you have any questions, you go. Nah, I know nah, you said I you just, wanted just, some stories. Nah, yeah, I, I ain't gonna embarrass you. I ain't gonna yeah, do it's that. It's not embarrassing. <laughs> it, nah. It's real life. No, man, I just it's yeah. just, uh, I know we talked about uh, you know when you um, I ain't gonna lie, be full transparent. When Pete brought this, when Pete brought this idea, I was like, bro, what are you talking about? How how does this even relate? Explain this to me. But I'm just able. I'm I'm glad I'm able to sit here and just hear the relations to it when it comes to leadership and building people, breaking them down. You know, people working together and things like that. There's a lot of comparisons. So uh, it's just interesting to me that, you know, to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Since you still there, I think we lost you one more time. I, no, uh, I got yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear So, uh, so yeah. Uh, I think, the, you know, oh, can, can you guys hear me? Yes, uh-huh. sir. Yeah, you got, uh, I, was, I was just saying that I, I take a lot of my influence in martial arts through through military training, you know, um, you know, how I coach people, you know, Sun Tzu, Art of War, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, then that, that's a big part of my training. Yeah. Good stuff. No, I, I just appreciate, like you said, just, just giving us the comparison, man, and just hearing some of the, some of the, the stories, the background and how to get to people, get people to where they need to be. Yeah. It's that, a lot of comparison. That motivation is a thing, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real life thing. And it could take you as far as you want to motivate somebody. But the, the goal is you, you know, can't, you can't guys, yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. you guys were, guys were, uh, UFC stuff. You know, what's interesting. So you guys know, when the, you hear, yeah, a little bit of lag in the, in the connection. Yeah. Can you guys, can yep. you hear me? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We can hear you. Uh, I think we lost you. We yeah, going in now. That might be the dead spot. Yeah. It's, so, uh, during, during the UFC, can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Okay, so, uh, you know, in the face-off, when they're all, you know, face-off each other, trash-talking each other, well, behind the curtain, they're in line right next to each other. Mm. Oh. So when, when when everybody lines up to weigh in, sometimes they line up in a big line. So I'm, I'm about two feet away from my opponent sometimes. <laughs> so when you see all that craziness on stage, it's just that. It's craziness because... Yeah. You know, we're back behind almost like 10 feet away. So if we were going to fight each other or, or the, the two, they could have fought each other backstage, but they, it's all a show now. Yeah. It's all a complete show. Yeah, that's wow. that's crazy. That's, it's really crazy. Uh, really unique how it really happens behind the scenes. Like we always talk about the stuff we do behind the scenes. Yeah. It's kind of unique how things come, come together and just the same thing in, in martial arts. It's the same thing. Uh, but since I, I appreciate your time, I'm not going to take a lot of your time. Really appreciate your time. Love that you came on here. I appreciate you coming on here, sharing your stories. Uh, as always, I learned a lot. A lot of it I already knew, but I learned a lot as well. Uh, but I really appreciate it. What you got, Big Mike? Yeah, I, I do too, man. I'm uh, I'm definitely going to go out and and next time we go out as fellas, I'm gonna start something with somebody. I'm gonna start something with somebody that I'm gonna disappear <laughs> and leave Pete. <laughs> yeah, this ain't good. Hey, right that's now. all right. I, I need I need to see if that five year old to this to this forty eight year old right now is is, is he really learn something? No, 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 don't no, do that. No, 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 because that's gonna make you like seventy. No, don't do that. Nah, but I definitely, I definitely appreciate your time and sharing some of your, sharing your story, you know, sharing your experiences and what you're doing for the community to help, you know, the kids' mental health and just with discipline and respect in general. So yeah. that's well, always I good. Th- thank you guys for, for having me, Dominic. You know, you know, I love you, man. Yeah. You've been always a big part of my family. So, man, I'm really proud of seeing what you're doing in your life. And I'm, I'm just happy to see you doing stuff, man. Yeah, always. And, you know, I love you as well, man. I'll be out there in Modesto sometime. 
Modesto's a long right. way. <laughs> it's a long Well, way. If, if you've never been to Modesto, you know, uh, it's known for two things. Uh, uh, agriculture and crystal meth. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Unless the 209. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. That's about all you got. But, hey, sir, like I said, I appreciate it. I'll sure I'll catch up with you again soon. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Please go back and look at some of the questions we get, we didn't get to if you want to go back there and answer some of those. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll have a lot more as people uh, see this as well on Most the back definitely. end. Most definitely. But since I appreciate it, man, unpopular right. celebrities, we up out of here. What you got? Hey, same thing. You already know who it is. Unpopular celebrity. Share, like, comment. Sensei, you be good. Be safe out there. Stay away from them people that's near the crystal map. <laughs> Get them in your gym and help them turn their life around. Yeah, yeah sir. I appreciate. It. Hey, make sure. You right, like, hey, Sensei, you want to shout out yeah. your uh, your school real quick so people can follow it. Oh, uh, right now uh, the school right now is it's called Fighter Fit. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram. Also, you can follow uh, me on Instagram. It's uh, you know, you can jump on there, Paul Mendoza. I think it's a P-A-M, a P-E-M-D uh, 821. But yeah, jump and find Fighter Fit Modesto. And then you can you can connect with me there and um, Facebook too. So, you know, um, yeah, well, I appreciate everybody. Thank you for letting me, can, you know, waste you guys' time with all my yapping. So. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it, sir. Absolutely. Tell the family I said well, hi. Yeah, Fighter Fit Modesto. Uh, jump on, check us out. And that's it, guys. All right, Absolutely. sir. All right, y'all. Tell the family I said hi. Talk to you later, sir. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Peace. Peace.